this morning we are going to have communion. Now, I want to I uh, look at the Word of God with you for a few moments before we partake of communion. One of the things that we do many things in church, there are many places where we can serve uh, in the body of Christ to help build the body of Christ and to serve the Lord. But when we stop and think about it, the communion service, because when we take communion, we are serving. We are, we are, are, are at, the, at the service table of, of the Lord, acknowledging Him, worshiping Him. And it should be one of the most important types of services that we perform. Now, I know I said uh, the last time I preached here, I was going to finish off my series that I did on, on the mind. But Pastor Tim did such a tremendous job on Wednesday night uh, talking about our mind and thinking and the impact of our mind and how it relates to our righteousness, etc., and so on, that I'll leave it with that because he covered a lot of the points that um, I was going to cover in, in concluding that part of the sermon. But I'm still, I still have some other topics I want to cover, so I'm going to do that, and uh, money being one of them. So don't, don't miss that one especially. Why are you smiling? And so communion should be one of the most important types of services that we allow to be a part of our lives because it causes us to be humbled when we think about what Jesus did for us. Think about the price that he paid for our sins. It should cause us to, to think about that, that what the communion supper represents. Because too often, the communion is looked upon as being ritualistic, something we do or we're supposed to do every month or so. And uh, if we do, then that's fine. You know, if we don't do it every month or so, it's a huge, gigantic sin. People look at it as, as in a ritualistic manner, but it, it, it's not a ritual, believe me. In reality, it's more than a ritual. Communion is an opportunity for the church to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering what he did for us at Calvary's cross. And too many times, people do come in and look at it, well, here we go, it's the first of the month or whatever time, and we're going to be taking communion. But communion is a time where we remember. It's a time when we can teach the message of the gospel for those who may not know the message of the gospel, for those who may have come in as, as guests and who have never experienced a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a time to teach them. That's why I entitled uh, this uh, message this morning, Communion, a Teaching Moment. Because that's what I want to do this morning. Because we can never stop learning. How many can say amen? We can never stop remembering. We can never stop uh, rethinking our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to do this morning. It's a teaching time and a time to reflect personally on our walk as individuals with Jesus Christ as we go ahead and prepare to read our text. And so before we have communion... Let's take a time to look at some of the scriptures that God speaks to us through the Apostle Paul as we prepare for 
communion. How many remember as kids, far back for some, not so far for others, but how, can remember, how many can remember as kids that when it was time for dinner, your mother or your dad or somebody would call out, hey, come on, it's, it's dinner time, it's supper time, come in and wash up and get ready for dinner. You remember that. Why would they tell us to come in and wash up? Well, because we were probably filthy. We were playing in dirt, running, rolling around in whatever was out there, and in our hands, our face, our body wasn't clean. We had to come in and wash up and get ready to eat. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You tell your kids all the time, come and eat. What did you wash your hands? It's something we always do before supper. Something we always pray that the cooks in the restaurant do before they serve us. It's important. Well, that's what we're going to be doing here this morning. It's what the Lord is going to be speaking to us about here today as we read these scriptures because God is wanting us to wash up before we take communion supper. He wants us to take a look inside and see what areas need to be cleansed, what areas need to be dealt with before we come before the Lord's table. So out of the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 11, and starting with verse 23, this is the Apostle Paul's account of his experience with the presence of God concerning what he did for him and for us. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And we had given thanks. He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Underline, whenever. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, underline the word ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not finally be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further direction. So the Apostle Paul is giving us his insight concerning the Lord's Supper, how it's to be taken, and the preparation for you and I that needs to be made before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Number one, as I said, it's a time of remembrance. And these verses 
remind us of the Lord's Supper time. It's a call to, to remember the sacrifice and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when we come together. It's not just a ritual of eating the bread, drinking the juice, but there is uh, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he did for us behind that. When we take communion, we're not offering a new sacrifice, but we're remembering once and for all his sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 10. And by that, the writer of Hebrews says, we will have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So it's not that every time we take communion, Jesus is being sacrificed all over again. His blood, his body is being broken all over again. There's a once and for all sacrifice that has been made by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And all we do at communion is remember it. Don't make a religious ritual out of it. We have to leave those old religious mindsets that we had maybe before we were saved. Leave them behind. Because Jesus paid the price once and for all. Do you believe that this morning? Doesn't have to be sacrificed all over again when we take communion. You see, it's the idea of remembering and recalling. It's more than just an event that took place, but stirring up the remembrance of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. This is all that we're remembering and that took place in the life of Jesus when we take communion. I'm going to read some scriptures this morning to kind of uh, go over some, some of the, the, the areas in Jesus' life that took place for you and I and what he accomplished for you and I that we can remember when we take communion. Oh, yes, this is what Jesus did in Philippians chapter 2 and in verses 5 through 8. I've got a few scriptures, so write them down. If you have a good memory, everybody smiles. Remember them or listen to it again after the service. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. These are things we need to remember at communion. 2 Corinthians in verse 8 and 9, Paul writes, He became poor that we might become rich. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. He took upon himself or bore our sins in his own body on uh, the tree or on the cross. He took our sins upon himself, my sins, your sins, and he was crucified for them. Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 6. He took our infirmities, our sicknesses, and sins and willingly took our place on Calvary. Nobody forced him. Matthew 28, 1 through 6. 
says that he conquered death for us forever. He paid the price of death. You and I have been promised eternal life through Jesus Christ because of what he did on Calvary's cross. Uh, that's what we need to remember at uh, communion in Hebrews chapter 7 and in verse 25, the last one. The writer of Hebrews says that he ascended back into heaven to finish his redemptive work and to serve out high, as high priest forever. When he cried out on the cross, it is finished. There was nothing else that could be done to save you or I. The price was paid finally at Calvary and at communion time. This is what we need to remember about Jesus Christ. Not just, uh, well, I drank some juice and I ate some bread. It goes beyond that. It's a time to remember, and it's a time to personally take a survey internally. Because we remember what Jesus has done for humanity, what he did for the world. But we also need to remember and think about his sacrifice for us as individuals, what he did for you, what he did for me. And ask yourself, what has Jesus done for you? How has he helped you since the time you gave your life to Jesus? What has he done to make your life better? How many know when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our lives are, not, are made better, not worse? Our lives are better off than they were before we came to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's time when we take communion to take inventory and a survey of, man, this is what God did. He healed my marriage. He healed my body. He saved my children. He gave me a job. He helped me in my health. Uh, he did this and the other. Remember. Because too many times we come in to take communion and we just look around and we got, and, you know, okay, is it time? Yeah, how does this thing work? And we're looking at it. And 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And, and this is what he did, but yet for us personally, obviously it should cause us to want to, as Christians, live differently than we did before we accepted him as our Lord and Savior. And so at communion we think about his death, his resurrection, and all that he's accomplished for us in our lives and in our families. Time to consider our personal standing with Christ, with the Lord the book of Haggai, chapter 1 and verse 7. The Lord writes, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Think carefully. This is why Paul was so concise and accurate in, 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 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he was given instructions about communion. And how important it is to make sure that we make ourselves the best we can accountable to God and survey, take inventory to see what needs to be cleansed, what needs to be fixed 
before we take the communion supper, not just ritualistically just take the communion. And so the question is, are we living, when we take this survey, are we living the best way we can that glorifies and pleases the Lord? Is our heart right with the Lord? Time to consider our relationship with the Lord. It's a time also for identification, that we identify with Jesus. Because when we take the Lord's Supper, it's a time of public identification that we are identified that Jesus Christ is our Lord and this is what he's done for us. And to those who are watching, who may not be saved, who may not be born again, who may be backslidden, we are saying this is what we do because uh, we love Jesus Christ uh, and we remember what he's done for us. We publicly identify ourselves with the Son of God. So the question is then, is it possible for someone who takes communion and is not born again, can they do that? And they're not saved? Well, of course it's possible. Some of us did it all the time before we were saved. On Saturday night, before we went to party. On Sunday morning, before we went to the, the champagne brunch. <laughs> we, we did it religiously, all of us, at one time or another. We weren't born again, we weren't saved, but we still did it. Did that mean we were saved? No. So what does that say? Communion doesn't make you saved. Oh, I took communion. I'm good. There's no saving power in taking communion. For those who are saved, yes, it's a time we declare, we're born again. Thank you, Jesus. We believe what God has done for us and who he is. Amen. It's personal. And by grace, that way we are saved. We don't apologize for who we are and what we believe because we are identifying as Paul was identifying when he was telling the, the Corinthian church who are messed up people. Now, I don't think we have any messed up people in here. But they were messed up. Really. And he was trying to bring them to a place where they, they would understand the importance of what it did, what it was and what it was not. So we shouldn't be ashamed of Jesus Christ when we take communion. And for that fact, wherever we are at work, pray for your food. Jesus' name, praying for this. When you're at school, if you go to school, pray for your food there in school. Who cares? Who's looking? When you go to the restaurant, you know, don't. Let's pray quick. <laughs> Jesus, thank you for this food. Bless it. Make it nourishing to our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, don't, don't be ashamed of what people are going to think. We identify with them not only in here, but outside. Paul writes in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. See, the world, maybe they call us fools. They say you're only Christians. Jesus freaks because it's a crutch. 
But regardless of what they say, we take our stand loudly and proudly who we are and because of what he's done and the sacrifice he made for us. This is what happens when we take communion. And so it's a time to make a statement. Time to make a statement. Declaring that Jesus died for my sins. That he resurrected again on the third day. And I make this statement to a whole new generation of people who may not know Jesus Christ. Or to my children or grandchildren. This is who Jesus is and this is what Jesus has done. This is the statement we are making. We need to make statements. We need to learn to tell people about our faith. A time to teach as well as a time of when we worship God during communion. That's why we preach a message like this before we take communion. Usually the scriptures I read, you know, I'll preach a message and then I read the scriptures that Paul wrote and then we take communion, but I'm doing it different now. I've read the scriptures so that we can understand what this message is all about. And so we're ready. When communion time comes, the supper comes, we make an altar call and deal, take care of business in our lives. We proclaim so that every man, woman, and child have the opportunity to understand what communion is all about. John 14, verse 6, this is why it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, and it's statements like this that we need to make, that we are making at communion, that we are declaring that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made the ultimate sacrifice once and for all for the sins of the world, uh, and no one else, no one after or before can ever do that for mankind. Jesus is the only way to get to God the Father. Doesn't matter who else says what. That's between them and their God. But for you and I, between us and our God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Father, Jehovah God, this is what we believe. You see, it seems that people are not afraid of making statements today about what they believe. They are loud and proud about perversion, about stupidity, and about, about, about ignorance. They're, they're, they're proud to be ignorant. They're proud to say that a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy. They're proud of making those statements as ignorant as they are. They'll make those statements till the sun goes up and down. How much more should we be proud of making the statement that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? that he died for our sins, and he is the only way to the Father. See, because in this day of watered-down gospel, and even being abandoned by many who call themselves Christians, we need to be resolute and determined. As long as there's breath in our bodies, we don't change the gospel. The message stays the same. It's also a time of expectation. We're reminded when we have the communion supper to stir up the remembrance and the reality that Jesus is going to come back. He's going to return and we don't hear a lot of those kind of messages, do we? Pastors, maybe we got to kind of focus in on 
the rapture and the two working in the field and one being left behind in the virgins with the oil. Start talking about that. It's kind of refreshing in remembering about, are we ready? You see, he died for us. He rose again. Yes, he did. He ascended into heaven. But yet, he makes a statement again that he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. John 14, 1 through 4, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. We live in a troubled world, don't we? Trouble, wherever you look, man, it's messed up. There's trouble. He said, trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You believe that this morning? God doesn't lie. His word does not lie. That's what Jesus said. If he said he's coming back, then he's coming back. It should stir up our hearts at communion time. When communion time comes and it's time to take the bread and to time to, to drink uh, the, the juice, that this is what Jesus is all about. Stir up our hearts that Jesus is coming and redeeming. Are you ready for the return of the Lord? Kind of reminds me of a song. Are you ready? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? If you're not ready, get ready. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 44, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. People have been saying that for generations. You see, I don't know the day or the time or the hour. God's Word says no one knows, only God. But for those who bank on, ah, well, maybe next year, maybe next month, Maybe next, when I, when I get to this age or I accomplish this in my life, I will give my life to the Lord. Uh, the odds are against you. Because you don't know if you're going to make it to that long alone, let alone if he doesn't come back, if you're going to live that long. Because the Bible says tomorrow's promise to no one. And so we need to think and prepare and be aware of what God's word promises and what God's word says. And then finally, it's a time of self-examine, a, a time uh, to uh, examine. Not self-examination, but yet a time of examination as a whole. We're warned against taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. What does that mean, unworthy manner? Well, it's a warning to the backslider. When we come to take communion, we open up our lives to God's judgment. That's what verse 29 said. And he'll bring judgment. He'll bring discipline. If we profess to be good, okay, and we're right with God, and we're not, if we're harboring sin in our lives, and we haven't confessed that to the Lord or taken care of it, then God will judge that. And then it's a warning against taking communion lightly as a ritual or making it a religious ritual. 
James chapter 1, verse 22 and 24. James writes and says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Those are the folks that when they take communion don't consider the sacrifice, the cross, the pain that Jesus suffered for our sins, the blood that he shed for our iniquities, for us to be healed, that they don't consider the price that was paid, but it's a ritual. They do it with their minds, but not with their mouths and confession. Paul said if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And that's what communion is a time for. It's a time for examination. It's a time for judgment. And this, this morning before we take the communion supper, I would like for us all just for a few moments to bow our heads before the Lord and close our eyes in reverence to the Lord, in respect to the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's examine ourselves this morning. Close examination. Forget about examining your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your neighbor, your workmate, your schoolmate. It's not a time for that. It's a time for self-examination. What are those areas this morning that need to be examined? What are those areas this morning that needs to be judged? If we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. No, we're not perfect. Nobody says we are. Nothing wrong. We're all sinners saved by grace. So we all have issues. We all have deal, areas we have to deal with. It's not nothing to be ashamed of. That's life. But what I'm talking about, I'm talking about judgment. And I wonder as we're making this altar call, if one of the uh, ushers can go ahead and call in the, te the uh, older teenagers into the service so they can take communion also. They're old enough. These are the ones that are downstairs here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's a time of reflection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The ushers can get ready and have the communion plates ready so we don't have to wait when we take it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. It's a good time to reflect. Unforgiveness bitterness against someone, resentment, hatred. Jealousy, 
These are areas that the enemy gets a foothold in. These are areas that many struggle with and are overcome by the enemy because they continue to harbor these things and they hold on to them and don't let them go. Are those teenagers coming or did we lose them? Praise God. God, hallelujah. Praise God. Right there where you are. Make an altar where you are. Build an altar where you're at right now. And think about those areas that I spoke about. Communion. What that means. What you need to remember. Is it a ritual? No. It's a time to remember, to reflect, to look inside your life and see if there's anything that needs to be fixed before we, we take this communion. Right where you are, you can say a prayer. You can repent. Hallelujah. 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 our heads are bowed for a few moments and our eyes closed.